Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated, sworn to protect a world that fears and hates it, and aired live every week, only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in the studio, as always, by Pete and James. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies, and try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. On this very special season of Near Mint, we are reading through Jonathan Hickman's run on Powers of Ten, House of X. Hoxbox. That's right. The new X-Men series uh, that is very difficult to say out loud when you're saying them together. This week, we are covering everything, including Powers of Ten 3. An interesting development in in this Hickman run. Yeah. Uh, this, Hawksbox. This was a very different uh, Powers of Ten, because traditionally we've been jumping almost equally between the different powers of ten years away. Right. You know, X zero, X to the one, X to the two, X to the three. Right. The one year, ten year, hundred year, and a thousand years yeah. into the future of the X-Men universe. Uh, this one we're focused pretty squarely on an... Uh, of the hundred years in the future. Right. Which is the just to remind everyone, that's kinda like the quasi days of future past era that the it's the yeah. near future, things have gone to pot, X Men are on the run, hunted down, yeah. that kind of that the, deal. The era when some of the X Men could still plausibly be alive. Right, especially those with uh, super healing factors like one of our uh, favorite characters. Of course I'm talking about Sabretooth? Yeah, no. Deadpool? No. Wolverine has a big role in this. Yes. Um, also Apocalypse. It's it's effectively it's Apocalypse's team. So this is kind of interesting. It's apocalypse now. Yeah, it's there's a there's a kind of an interesting twist. Um we got a lot of uh, player dynamic switching in this where you know, you expect Professor X to be the hero leader, mm-hmm. right? And then he, we, we get thrown a curveball because he and Magneto are working together. And they're, that, that typically that happens pretty often in the comics over the run. You know, it's supposed to be pretty controversial when Magneto gets into the play and he's part of the good guy team. But this one kind of flips it around immediately and Apocalypse is, in fact, yeah. in charge of the last of the mutant resistance. Matter of fact, we don't really see much of Professor Xavier and Magneto at all in this issue. Yeah, by the time we get to X... Oh, I'm not going to do that. 100 years in the future, uh, which I guess is X2. Am I right on that one? That's, uh, yeah, X2. Yeah, hooray. Uh, by the time we get there, yeah, they, the leadership has been supplanted entirely and we only have... Apocalypse, effectively. Apocalypse and his horsemen. Apocalypse is now the leader of the mutant resistance. He's the last man standing, or last leader standing. And he's got his four horsemen with him. He's got uh, Wolverine as, uh, as war... Is this the war. first time that Wolverine has ever been war or I'm been a horseman? I'm trying to remember if he's been war. I, I believe he was death at one point. You know, he, he, there's only one thing he does, but he Hulk does it well war. in many different ways. Uh, yeah, so Wolverine is is war in this. Zorn is is death, which I thought was fun to see. And then we got a couple of new characters or new versions of characters. Um, do we remember who Pestilence is? It's 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 a North, co- I think. Uh, was yeah, the name they gave. yeah. She we've seen her in uh, in Powers of. Ten already, and then there's uh, there's uh, Cipher the, and the Cipher Krakoa hybrid. That's right, dude. Who is um, a kind of an interesting end game for where Krakoa is heading? If you re- if you see somebody who looks like an ant, 
Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's who we're talking about. That's here. right. So you got an, we get a little splash of some new horsemen, and you get Apocalypse. For me, the most fascinating thing is Apocalypse as leader of mutant resistance, because you've now erased any lines, right? There's always the question of whether Apocalypse or Magneto has taken things too far. Mm. That's the that's the trope in these books, right? These are the these are the leaders that are too aggressive. Too bad, too, uh, especially Apocalypse. He's yeah. definitely, uh, a ste- he's a step towards genocide, right? Yeah. Wiping out humanity. There's no subjugation. There's no, the only way we can stay alive is by fighting back. This is pure, unadulterated bad. Yeah, he's, but he's, he's the leader. Yeah, he's amoral evolution. Right. Uh, and But of course, we find him as Leo. So what did you think, James, as a new reader, what do you think about that? Seeing Apocalypse on the stage as the leader of the mutant resistance. I honestly thought it was really cool. I think it kind of signifies just how far, uh, you know, and how bad things have gotten. I think, as you as you said, Frank, like, normally Magneto and Apocalypse are kind of the sign that things have gone too far in the, the wrong direction. But to fight this evil, to fight these machines and everything they're dealing with, that you would need Apocalypse is, you know, just kind of awesome and, and also kind of crazy. What about you, Pete? You've been reading for a while. I think uh, I think it makes perfect sense for Apocalypse to be in charge of the mutants. He's a natural leader who's always uh, taken that hard stand that mutants should be the ones in charge and not man or machines by extension. Mm. I think the uh, the lineup for his four horsemen actually goes a long way towards saying how bad things are. If the if these are the four best that he can pick yeah, for his we, elite. We couldn't even match them up with which horsemen they were because the, the narrative threads are weak yeah. at best. These are, you know, not the best uh, fit for, for what's going on, but it's interesting. Uh, and for those of you who don't remember, Cypher is the, uh, the young blonde guy that you saw in the very first House of X number one. Right. Uh, who was developing the language. With Krakoa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a deep cut for X-Men fans. Been around for a while. Oh, yeah. Has an one of my favorites. Interesting mutant ability that a lot of people kind of overlook, but um, used to in, in, in a cool way in, this, in these books so far. So I'm going to leave you with a question before we get into the meat of what happens in this book. Uh, I'm actually not going to leave you. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Uh, was Apocalypse right? The Apocalypse we know from regular everyday continuity. Knowing what we know about the future of mutant kind and humanity in the world, is Apocalypse right? Because, I mean, that's what we, we're led... It's, this isn't just a what-if tale, right? We know that because mutants were beaten back so severely that at, in the 100-year timeline in X2, the only person left to lead them is Apocalypse, and Apocalypse is our greatest, best hope to save mutant kind, which is what he kind of has been saying more or less all along. He and Magneto and others, the idea that there is no coexistence with, with humanity. There's only one will win and one will lose. So is apocalypse was apocalypse has apocalypse been correct. It's hard to conjugate words in the past impossible. Never tense. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting question because, in a way, uh, Apocalypse is always kind of right. Only the f- strong survive. Only the, only the strongest survive. I think maybe he wasn't right 
in that he was assuming that the mutants would prove to be the strongest. Right. But he's right in his evolutionary pragmatism, I guess. How about you, James? What do you think? So I'm going to say no, only because it seems almost as if um, Apocalypse has come around to whatever the larger plan is. And I think it's that they're trying to create the perfect timeline um, or the, the perfect outcome for both humanity and X-Men. With the ending of this book, Wolverine finds Moira, gives her all the information from like up until this point in the timeline and kind of or this version of her life. Right. And says, you know, this one's kind of a dud. You're going to have to move on to the next one, but here's all this stuff you need. Right? Wait, so hold on. I, I take on major exception from you. <laughs> I mean, he's like, yo, so your life is kind of a dud. I mean, no, that that's not what's happening here. They planned this. Yeah, this was always the plan. They, they were doing right. a suicide mission to get this information. Yeah. And then the whole plan was to send Moira back with this so that in her next life, they would they have the information yeah. to do to, to get take out Nimrod for good. So I have two answers Correct. to this. Yes and no. One, he Apocalypse is sort of right in that yes, ultimately it came down to a final drag out fight with humanity, and only the strongest survive, and it's it's gonna be a conflict. But I would make the argument that the aggressive stance that Apocalypse and other mutants take might be the reason why humanity fears and loathes them and doesn't trust them and what have you, the, you know, the, the tagline for, for X-Men. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy is what Possibly. I think we're experiencing in the series. I don't know that we know enough about this past timeline to know that, though. Because we, we, we've never really seen anything about what the inciting incident is that really starts humanity hating mutants. No, we do, kind of. So we've seen a decent amount of what's going on in X1 or in X0. We see when when Xavier's first coming up with the ideas of humanity and mutants living together and the resistance he gets when, uh, when mutants try to form their own nation. So I don't think this timeline starts off with mutants trying to form their own nation. They're definitely reacting. Yeah. They're saying we mutants have always been treated terribly and we're being hunted and we're being uh, persecuted. So we need to form our own nation. And one of the reasons uh, that the very act of trying to form their own nation inspires Orcris to go into space and build a mother mold or to, to effectively make Nimrod to effectively wipe out all mutants because humanity is afraid of being wiped out by mutants. So it's like this endless cycle of... of mutants taking an aggressive stand because humans took an aggressive stand, but humans took an aggressive stand because mutants are taking an aggressive stand. That's, that seems to be the loop that we're arguably even in the real world stuck in where you can't determine who's the beginner who initiates the conflict that's going to destroy us. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is we do see what happens in this, in this story a thousand years in the future, and it seems like seems like things kind of worked out. Kind of, eh, eh. maybe it's hard to say, but certainly it depends on your uh, your point of view. Because yeah, yeah. all of this depends on your view. Point I mean, of view. yeah, I guess there's no conflict on Earth at the moment. But arguably, yeah. it appears that Earth has been 
reduced to a single artificial hive mind, essentially. But is that evolution? Is that good? Is that something that Apocalypse would be happy with? And do we want something that Apocalypse would be happy with? Uh, it seems like everybody's kind of in that timeline is very much like, how do we ever let it get this bad whenever they look through historical artifacts? But also, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily want to live in that world. It's very interesting, and I think I think maybe the point is us asking these questions. So for those of you who are looking at the future where this storyline goes and are wondering, are we going to get a satisfying conclusion? I don't know if there is a satisfying conclusion, just like I don't know if there's a satisfying answer to who started the blank real-world conflict, right? I just think it's just bad. I think it's just conflict. Well, yeah, they're the worst. And actually, we're not, all right, we're, that's it. But yeah, so I, I think it's a very complicated question with a very unresolvable answer. Uh, but it's interesting. It's, uh, it's interesting that you're, we're using X-Men to tell this kind of story. Um, so ultimately, like we already kind of teased that, the, the plot of this is that the whole thing, everything we've seen in the 100-year timeline has been a attempt to get information on the probable origins of Nimrod into uh the um into Moira X really yeah and into sending her, her off lifetime yeah send her off to her next reincarnation and hoping for the best and we found out that this is her ninth lifetime yeah and she's sent into the tenth which is we already know established current Right, the, the one where the Krakoa one we've been is. reading. Right, right, right. The one in House of yeah, and, X. and everything. The one that we've been reading since 1963, As when well. the X Men first debuted. Wow. So, uh, what I, I, that twist? What it wasn't super <clears throat> complicated, but it wonderfully for me built out on the way House of X and Powers of Ten weave together. I really enjoyed that linchpin of connecting the two, saying this is where they connect. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty ingenious and and fun. I loved the moment where Wolverine kills Moira. What a horrible thing to say, but yeah. I I, I just think it it was a horrible thing to do, but the only way to do what needed to be done. Right. And the the way they put it, it's the the title of the... uh, of the story of this issue. And it's also what Moira says to Wolverine is, this is what you do. Mm. It's like Wolverine is a killer. Right. Yeah. And he's the best there is at what he does. So of course it would be Wolverine that has to send her off into her next life. Mm. Interesting. And now does this bring about peace or war? We don't know because we haven't found out yet. Nope. It ends right there. Yeah. James, what did you think of that reveal? I'm with Pete. I loved it. It was it was perfect, and it it just it's very poetic. To me, it might foreshadow that there's more there's more timeline trickery afoot, right? I know. I think we are, as Pete says, led to believe that the current timeline we're reading is the X Men timeline we've had since X time or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I'm wondering if maybe there's there's a twist hidden in there somewhere. It's possible. It's possible. Right. So let's review the book. Um, I, I really enjoyed this a lot. I'm going to give this one a near mint, uh, especially because of the way it connects all the different threads of the stories together. Um, I like it. Pete? Uh, again, very solid. Good story. Um, a lot more of a concrete storyline to follow than other powers of X. So I will. Uh, I, nothing really huge stood out for me, though. So I, I'm going to agree with you a near mint. 
All right, and James. I'm about the same as you guys. I think it, it's uh, a lot more for me to latch onto than other powers of X. I like the poetic stuff with um, Logan and Moira and everything. Um, but it, it again, it still has some of the problems that the powers of X have had so far, still being a little confusing and hard to follow. Uh, near Mint. Wow, we got a triple near mint. Unanimous. Yeah, that's our first one for this line. Although I think some books have scored on average higher. Uh, oh, but yeah. you nerds have to do the math on that one. Uh, I'm I'm excited to keep reading more. I know there are bigger twists coming up and uh, more interesting uh, developments for both lines. Our next episode is going to come up really soon. We're, we're actually posting these uh, multiple times a week until we get caught up with the series, which will hopefully be sometime next week or the week after. Should be. Uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Near Mint, please like and follow and subscribe uh, so you get the latest episode in the podcatcher of your choice and leave us a good review so other people can find out about the show thank you all and see you next time this has been a non-productive media presentation executive producer frank hablawi this program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license please share it but ask before trying to change it or sell it for more information visit non-productive.com